Hello everyone, this is God Talk with Tara, and I'm Tara. Welcome. We are going to start tonight with prayer, and we are going to hope the Lord shows up. So i got to say I'm a little tired tonight. Um, I think it's Kensada in Spanish, working on that. Um, so let's start with prayer. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for your children. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your son, Lord God. This is Ash Wednesday. It is the first day of what many of your people celebrate as Lent. That is a time that we look at hmm, Jesus's preparation, the beginning of his, his time in ministry, Father, after baptism and before he began his work for you, there was a stretch of 40 days. Um, I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word with regard to the importance of that contemplation, that you would give us your words, Lord God, to speak into our hearts and, and draw us near to you, that you would make our minds still to receive your words tonight so that we would hear your voice. We thank you, Father, for all that you do. I pray that you would make me small tonight, Lord God, so that your people would hear your voice. We ask in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Um, so, as I said, it is Ash Wednesday. Um, and I did not grow up celebrating Ash Wednesday, but as I grew up in faith, I found myself in the Methodist Church, and they celebrated Lent, kind of. Um, the first pastor we had really didn't make a big deal out of that so much. Um, and But I had a, a pastor that really did kind of emphasize this time in the liturgical calendar. He was actually much more liturgical than, than a lot of the more evangelical pastors that, that I've come to know over the years. And I have to say that there is a deep beauty in the liturgy of the church. This is something I have learned is in seedbed as well with, with the folks there, that there is a deep beauty in connecting with the celebrations and the contemplations of the body of Christ down through the ages. And, and that is what Lent is. Um, our pastor tonight at service made mention of of the origins of Lent, where that began as a Christian practice was in the early church. Um, and it was a time of preparation as new believers would be baptized into the body of Christ at Easter. They would have 40 days of fasting and prayer in preparation for being joined with the body of Christ. Now we live in a world of instant gratification. We can order groceries to our door and usually have them delivered in under two hours. I can order an entire furniture set. And if I get it through Amazon, it's very possible it could be here tomorrow. Um, there's very little we have to wait for and there's very little we have to work for. And so we are very full of junk because we can get whatever we want when we want it. And rarely 
Rarely do we force ourselves to wait long enough to determine whether it's actually something we want or if it's something we need at all, let alone right now. And so we live in a world where we are glutted. We are glutted in our physical being, in our spaces with too much stuff. We are glutted in our minds with too much information. Um, we surf the web staring at thousands of hours of cat videos or bear videos in my husband's case or food videos in my husband's case um, or any number of other things. We, we are glutted in our food with being able to order anything on the planet and have it show up at the door in an hour to feed us. Um, including snack food in the middle of the night. There is, there is no, there is no earthly pleasure that we cannot get in a fairly fast time frame. And so the concept of being separated for 40 days and having to prepare for 40 days before you do something that you desire to do is foreign to us. More than that, in the church, that's a really foreign concept to have to wait any kind of length of time to be baptized um, or to join the body of Christ. Now, most churches have some kind of membership process if they have membership. Um, they have classes that you need to take or, or whatever. And then they'll usually have like a couple times a year where they do a people can join ceremony kind of a deal. But the reality is, is there's not a lot of investment in that. So for most non-denominational type churches, they have you know, something called class 101 and 201 and 301 and 401. And usually there are a series of videos that you can get through in about 15 minutes with a, a quiz that you check off um, stuff on. Sometimes they're more in depth than that. Some churches actually have like a class that you have to sit through and and you listen to whatever pastors um, varying concepts of what you should know before joining their church. And some of that's interesting and some of it is really not. Um, or you have in the Methodist church for young people, uh, like in middle school, you have confirmation classes. You have that in, in um, Catholic church too. You have like CDC classes to teach the basics. You teach a catechism of, of what they believe as, as Methodists or as Catholics. Uh, which is better. I mean, that at least gives you some grounding and foundation in the traditions of your church. But what you don't usually have is a period of prayer and fasting and seeking God and uh, asking him to come and move and change things in you before you join yourself with his church. That is a foreign concept in the modern church in the Western world. And so for us to take a step back and really look at this concept of Lent um, and this Ash Wednesday in particular, where we contemplate the, the state of the world that required Jesus to embark on this. Um, we contemplate the pattern that he set in, in this time. So we know that Jesus was sinless, so it's not that he went into the wilderness because he was sinful. Um, but even without that, we do know that he was baptized and then filled with the Spirit and then went into the wild. And so as we contemplate that, we must assume that there is a reason he set that as the template, that that was how he did things. Um, 
And so it's good for us to kind of contemplate what what is that purpose for that in the life of the church and in the life of our people. And so we're going to take a look at some different scriptures here, but we're going to begin with, um, I talk about Seedbed a lot. So they're starting a new Lenten series today. It's called Jesus in the Wild. Dan Wilt is doing the writing instead of JD this time around. Um, you can get the book already that they usually produce most of the Seedbed content as softcover books that you can pick up later to share and to go back over. Um, this one they did ahead of time so that people could have it for Lent. If you are interested in following along, you can just go to the wake up call every day though. Um, and these will be there. And, and Dan is approaching this a little differently than I've seen in the past. And I'm very excited to see where he goes with this. So we start with Jesus in the wild and he begins with the, the verses in Luke four, where Jesus is led into the wilderness uh, by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start there and we're going to talk a little bit about this and then we're going to jump into some other things um, that kind of lead out of that. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an appropriate time. And Jesus returned to Galilee and, the, Galilee and the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Now, other parts, uh, other um, gospel accounts of this story have Jesus then ministered to by angels that came and fed him. Um, there, there's a little bit more to parts of this. But realistically, what I kind of really want to look at here is... Number one, Dan asked a question. He says, consider the following word groups, tame, predictable, comfortable, safe, sustainable, content, peaceful, reliable, sure, and rest. And group two would be wild, unpredictable, uncomfortable, dangerous, unsustainable, adventurous, alert, surprising, unsure, and restless. And he asked which of these is a more attractive group to, to us. Now, he admits that he thinks that he would like it to be group two, but it actually is probably group one. And I have to be honest, as I'm reading, you know, you know, what he describes as what would be wild and unpredictable, I actually do not only like group two better, I tend to invest heavily in my, my life being that way. My life is rarely predictable, um, it is rarely comfortable and I don't actually care for it when it is safe and peaceful. Now that's not to say that I like chaos. I do not like chaos. 
But what I do like is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I have found that the Holy Spirit is radically unpredictable most of the time. And that the more comfortable and safe and sustainable and predictable my life is, the less I encounter God. And I like to encounter God. So I do things like go to Kentucky on a whim because God is calling me. I do things like pick up a strange person on the side of the road and take them to a hotel, or I have took them back to my house in the past. I, I do things that are not in that tame and predictable category of things. And I do them because I am seeking the face of God. And because I know that in the unpredictable places, I am likely to encounter him. More importantly, he is going to lead me into those places. And so I practice but that is because a long time ago, I recognized two real truths about the world around us. The first is none of it's predictable and safe. That's an illusion. We trick ourselves into believing that there is such a thing as a predictable and, and sustainable and safe environment. There is no such thing. We live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world where... There is a break in creation that allows for things like earthquakes and, and pandemics. Um, we, we live in a world that is broken in the image of man or in the image of God in man. And that allows for things like murder and rape and all of these things that come into our lives that are not safe. They're not predictable. You don't have control. And so as soon as I finally really got the picture that I am not in control of the world around me, I began deeply desiring to be in the presence of the one who is. And that's God. And he is frequently in the surprising and unsure places. Uh, so that was sort of one of the things that I got here. But the thing is, is getting God, getting into the presence of God oftentimes takes what we typically are looking to do on an Ash Wednesday. It takes emptying and it takes stretching. It takes pouring what is in us out and allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in us that makes us able to be filled with him. Uh, and so when, when we come to these times in Ash Wednesday, um, we first want to ask God to look at us um, when, when we come into some a time like this. Now, coming into the vote that we had over the weekend and coming out of uh, Kentucky, and actually, I think I had put this together before I went out there. I was asked to put some prayer prompts together for, for prayer time, um, for a day of prayer. And one of the first things that came to me was Psalm 51. And we were going to read that tonight and didn't for some reason, but I really felt that it needed to be, um, it needs to be heard. So Psalm 51 is uh, a Psalm of David when Nathan, the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this is when Nathan has come to him and told him that Israel has been afflicted because of his sin, not only in sleeping with a married woman and lying about it, but then in sending her husband to the front lines of battle so that he would be killed. 
Um, so David has committed a grievous sin against God and against Uriah and against Bathsheba and against the people of Israel. Um, and so this is, this is his heart cry after Nathan has come to him and, and made him face his iniquity. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you search me, you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it, and you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Um, there's a little bit more to that that has to do with Zion and Jerusalem, and I'm not going to jump into that because I don't think that this only applies to the Old Testament and to David and to, to Israel. I think that we are all in a place where we have committed transgressions and our hearts know that. And I think even though we rejoice in the truth of Christ's salvation and we rejoice in the movement toward Christian perfection, there is a time that we need to stop and be emptied where we need to stop and ask the Lord to search us and to create in us a clean heart, to create in us a right spirit, to restore us. Jesus demonstrated this with the washing of the feet of the disciples. Um, they had been baptized already, so they had been washed white as snow. Um, but at the same time, they walk in the world and we walk in the world and we, we get muddy we get dirty. Our souls get dirty. Our feet get filthy. We walk in the world and we are hurt and we get angry. We are betrayed and we get bitter. We are lustful or gluttons or we get comfortable. I like the wild, but I will be real with you. I've not been in the wild as much in the last few years. I was put in a place of quiet for a while, a place where it was predictable. And so I have to shake that off coming into this new season. And that was the other thing that God kind of showed me as I was praying on this today is it's not just about him 
pouring out the things in me or me pouring out the things in me. Um, it is also about him creating in us the space for his presence, renewing us in a way that will allow us to move and hold him. So part of that Jesus in the wild, the, there's always questions that come with these daily texts There's or the, the wake up calls. There's always a question at the bottom and it says, have you experienced the wild in recent weeks? And if so, how has the unpredictably, unpre ugh, can't read tonight, unpredictability, the lack of control you felt revealed where your faith is really at. Now, the truth is, I have definitely been in the wild in recent weeks. It has been um, crazy. It has been obedience in doing this every night. And while this is not a huge time um, absorber prior to sitting down to record, there is always something in my mind that is trying to stay tuned to God during the day to hear what it is that he wants me to talk about at night. So there is a, a constant energy in my, in my brain that is being directed towards listening for God in the things that I'm doing, which is beautiful. Please, that's not a complaint, um, but it is new. It's like flexing a new muscle all the time. And it's a little tiring. It, it makes me tired in sudden and strange ways. Uh, so there's that. But then there's also the trip to Kentucky. And there was the coming back from Kentucky. And there was preparing for a, a full day of prayer. And there was running into the young woman that night who was definitely um, wild. And there was the vote on Saturday. And... Um, and it's just been one thing after another. We're leaving to go out of town on Monday to go visit one of my sons. I am praying about how I may go visit another of my sons. The uh, the youngest of my sons is coming into town in a week and a half um, or two weeks. And so there is this continuing wildness in my day-to-day -day life right now. Um, not all of it is bad. Some of it is really great, but it is all unpredictable. And it is all, every time I start to gain any kind of sense of control, one more thing gets pushed in. That's That's been the feeling of these last weeks is um, I think I have a handle on my schedule for this week and then somebody wants one more thing. And they're, they're good things. They're helping my sister clean her apartment. They're going to sit down with friends for breakfast to tell them about the revival because they want to hear the testimony of that. Um, they're, they're good things, but they are disruptive and they are stretching and they are, uh, they're wild in, in what they're doing. And so as I'm pondering these questions, as I was thinking about these questions this morning of, have you experienced the wild and what is it done? What is that lack of control revealed? What I'm finding is that I have a thought in my head. I am out of not controlling what's going on. The Lord is moving and one of two things is going to happen. I am either going to stretch to be able to contain what he is doing or it's going to kill me. I, I mean, that's just sort of where I'm at. Either I will... Either the Lord will make me able 
or I will keel over from what is going on right now because it is ramping up and it's not stopping and there's not going to be any stopping. And that's what I'm getting from him is this is not, there's a reason it's ramping up. There are things coming that need to be done. There is, and I need to be prepared. And so the Lord is using this time and this is not just for me. So I'm speaking in terms of I and me right now, but I believe that this is pattern. It's going on in a lot of people's lives right now. This is part of the outpouring that God is doing in Asbury. It's part of the time of year with the, the Lenten season where people are coming to God and looking to him to help them grow in faith, to help them draw near to him. Part of that is stretching us. Part of it is remaking us into more usable vessels. So I, I get this image a lot of times when I pray for the Holy Spirit to come. I will pray that he comes as a roaring river because that's how I see him is as a roaring river and that he will flow through in a way that tosses out everything that doesn't belong, that reshapes the borders and the boundaries of, of the riverbed that is me that he will come through and, and throw out all of the debris, that he will come through and reshape and redirect me wherever he needs me to go. But there is nothing in that image that is gentle <laughs> or predictable or calm. Um, it is an invitation for God to come in and do as he wills. And I should tremble every time I pray that, and I don't, uh, because it, he is always right in what he does. And so what he gave me with scripture for this, as I was contemplating this, was actually two images from scripture that sort of amplify that thought and, and express it in scripture in the way that the disciples and the way Jesus understood um, the movement of the spirit and the way that we need to flex and bend for him. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and it was really funny because I forgot that this was in a part where the Pharisees were complaining that his disciples did not fast, that their disciples all fast and John's disciples fast. But why do your disciples not fast? Jesus is what they said. Um, so in response to John's disciples questioning him, he, he mentions that, you know, the wedding guests are not going to mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. That fasting is a form of mourning. It is a, a form of withholding good things from ourselves as a sign of respect towards one we have lost or towards a, a sad and mournful thing. Um, and then he goes on to, to give these two very odd parables. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made and neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. Um, now, the reason this comes to mind is in Acts 2, the charge that is leveled against the disciples when they begin speaking in tongues is that they are drunk on new wine. Um, there are other points where, where we know that we want to be new wine, that we want to have the new wine of the Holy Spirit. There is a connection of that within scripture in our minds it, that 
the Holy Spirit is the new um, indwelling, the new freshness that gives us the ability to be connected directly with God, that Jesus came so that we might have the Spirit as the connection between the Lord. He is the new covenant, the new wine that has been poured out for our relationship with God to be restored and reconciled and for us to be made one with him. And so we want to be able to contain this new wine that the Lord has poured out on us. But what he is saying is that if we are not made new, then we will not be able to contain the Holy Spirit. We will burst from it. And so we need renewal before we can receive the Holy Spirit into us. And so there was that one. And then there was two other accounts. And I'm, I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. But in Luke 5, we have Jesus talking to Simon Peter. And they've been out fishing all night. And Jesus asks if he can use the boat. And he teaches. And then he tells them to go out and put into deep water and let down their nets for, for fish. And they catch so many fish that the boats start to sink. The nets start to tear. Um, and Peter says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord. So here as, as Simon encounters the living God and Jesus gives him the gift of these fish, their nets are not prepared and their boats are not prepared. And the gift that they are given, the abundance that the Lord pours out for them nearly swamps them. And you then have a contrast in John 21 in the scene that we've talked about already where Jesus restores Peter the beginning of that scene is Jesus says, put your nets down on the other side of the boat. They're coming back after been fishing all night, not catching anything. Jesus says, put your nets down on the other side of the boat. And so they do. And they have this massive catch of fish that is once again, huge and indicates to Simon that this is the Lord. And rather than falling at his feet and, and, and telling him to depart from him, for he's a sinful man, he's falling at his feet in love and adoration that, the, that Jesus has come back to them and that he is sitting there with them. He is, he is running through the water out of the boat and the fish that were caught are not sinking the boat. And the, miraculously, it actually makes the statement that... Um, they, they were not able to haul, haul it in because of the quantity of fish and that when Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore, it was full of 153 a large fish and although there were so many, the net was not torn. So something in what Jesus did in the gift of that made it so that the net was able to hold the abundance of what he had poured out for his disciples. Um, so I think for me, as I'm, I'm contemplating, cause I've been praying, you know, Lent, you're supposed to give something up. You're supposed to, you're supposed to fast. You're supposed to abstain from something. You're supposed to do something. Everybody gives something up for Lent and everybody does the cliche of giving up chocolate or giving up uh, coffee. And I, I don't really eat that much chocolate, so that's not much of a sacrifice. And I've given up coffee before, and that really isn't much of a sacrifice either, but I'm not feeling led to that. And I'm I'm contemplating, God, what is it you want me to give up? 
what do you want me to, to let go of? What is that that you're asking me to do? And I think all of us need to be in this place of that, because I think what God is actually calling for us to do here in this moment is to allow him to hollow us out. Um, the, the song Keep Making Me by Sidewalk Prophets came to my mind. I usually listen to a song of some kind before I start this, and it was Make Me Empty So I Can Be Filled. I need God to empty me out. I need him to make me hollow. Um, and I think that's part of why Jesus went into the wild. I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting in the wild for 40 days, there's a part of me that is very attracted by that idea, by the way, of just being in the middle of nowhere for 40 days. Even the not eating doesn't really bother me about that idea. There's a part of me that would just, that craves that, that craves to be away from all of the distractions and away from all of the things that, um, I use to fill my time. But if I really contemplate that, I'm figuring it's maybe a day before I'm sleeping half the time. And then when I can't sleep anymore, it's maybe another day before I start really getting fidgety and kind of really having a problem. And I kind of wonder how many days it would be before I was finally driven to a place where I got still enough and empty enough to hear God speak to me. Because that's what we need. That's the point of that wilderness. That's the point of Lent. It's the point of, of giving things up. It's not really giving things up that is the point. The point is to come to a place where we're empty enough to hear God and allow him to fill us. And to come to a place where we have allowed him to do whatever deep work needs to be done in us to make our vessels fit to hold him. And so that's sort of what I'm getting is that it's not about me giving things up at this point. It's actually about me adding some things in. I am, I was invited to go on a mission trip to Cuba and I'm pretty sure I'm going and part of that for me when I was contemplating that and praying about it was that the Lord really clearly said and had been saying before I got that invitation, you need to allow me to help you refresh your vessel. You need to allow me to help you get fit so that when I call you to do things, when I gift you with the spirit and I draw you into mission and ministry, you will be able in other words, your net's not going to burst. Um, and I'm in a place right now where realistically, I've mentioned that before, I'm not in that space. And so I think that is where God is leading is that I need to be serious about the working out. I need to be serious about the, um, the changes in diet. So for me, that right now is no carbs um, besides the sugar in my coffee, which I have, and fruit. It's not really no carbs. It's no breads and pastas and things like that. Um, and it's really getting back into the exercise that will give me the, I think the accountability that I need for that is if I commit to that as part of Lent, um, I'm hopeful that the Lord will bless that and, and help cement the habits of that. I find it interesting too that Lent is 40 days, which is frequently about how long it takes us to build a habit. 
Um, but I don't think that it's, and I want to be clear about that. I don't think it's about giving something up. I don't think it's about diets. I don't think it's about exercise. I don't think it's about, I think it is about allowing the Lord to look into us and show us what it is that is keeping us from being hollow enough for him to pour in. What is the junk that is clogging us up and making it so that he can't flow through? And then asking him to come and do the really uncomfortable work of, of putting us into the wild places and, and pulling out all the things that don't belong in us and letting the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen our wine skin but at the same time scrub it clean so that when all is said and done he has made us something new i pray that he will do that and i pray that you will allow him to do that in you and i pray that he will do that in me and in all of his people that we will come to him seeking his seeking for him to repent us and convict us and deliver us from anything that gets in his way. I pray for us tonight, Father, that you would do each of those things for us, that you would come into us, that your spirit would move through us. And I praise you, Father, for all the work that you have already done and all that you will continue to do. Lord, I pray that as we seek your face, you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, not only to help us, Lord God, to become new vessels, but also, Father, to empower us to carry your gospel, to carry your hope, to be a beacon, Father God, to carry the revival and the outpouring that you have done in Kentucky out into our own communities, into our homes, into the people around us, Father, so that there would be a great awakening of your people all across this land and all across the world. We thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.